Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And I'm wearing the most layers today, Amy. And do you know what goes great with the most layers and a cozy fall day? My birthday? Yes. (laughs) But also, story time. Story time. It is our children's lit episode. I say children's lit, but that's usually like Beverly Cleary age. We're reading picture books. We're reading fun picture books because it's my birthday and we can do what we want. That's exactly why. Yep. We have some suggestions from all of you. I'm really excited to get to them. But first, Amy, what was your favorite book when you were a kid? I didn't think I was going to have questions. Yeah, it's a Q&A session again. Okay, so there, there are two types. Okay. So there's my informational books, <gasps> which... My favorite one was about Russia. Okay. It was these like Disney books. They were all hardcover and they were blue and they were like the marvelous things in the world or something. My mom Mm -hmm. still has them and it's the one thing I'm not letting her throw out from my childhood. Nice. Like you can't throw out books, woman. Sacrilege. It's not Fahrenheit 451. No. And then my other favorite book was Caramel. (gasps) Were they in English as well? Because I read it in French. No, but I know that you had a pet named Caramel. Also, I had a pet named Caramel. She was a cat, but these were hamsters. And then there was another book that was about a hare, like the rabbits, but I don't remember the name of it, so I can't help you guys there. That's all right. Those are my top threes. That's very excellent. None of which we're reading today. No. I really liked Black Beauty, which we're also not reading today because it's a frickin' novel. (laughs) But I was getting my mom to read that to me over and over again when Mm -hmm. I was like four, five, and six. I had like this little mini novel version, which was the kids version. And I think you need the kids version because I read the adult version as an audiobook. And man, it is hecked. <laughs> bad, bad, not good. So Black Beauty, um, I don't know if you've read it slash watched it because it's also a movie. No. It's basically about a horse's life and the horse goes to live with a family on a farm and it's lovely, but then he gets sold to like worse and worse people and it's just about animal abuse. He has two friends who are horses and just bad things happen to all of them. Okay. It was animal abuse, the story, and I just loved Black Beauty and I always wanted him to be happy and to be back with his his happy family, you know? Mm. I'm not going to spoil it for you because you should watch it and read it, but I liked it and that can probably tell you something about the ending. Yeah. Um, that makes me think, though, that Gulliver's Travels has an illustrated kid version that takes away <laughs> a lot of the um, the weirdness. <laughs> you mean the weirdness in Brobdingnag? <laughs> We're talking about the nipples. <laughs> um, but also like a lot of like the social commentary nonsense, mm. which arguably is the best part, but that's beside the point. That book is exclusively political satire. Yeah, but there's also like this third book is weird and also not in the anthology we read. It's about they go to Japan. There's some chess matches. Huh. Yeah. I didn't read that. My other favorite book that I had, I could not read and I did not read because it was one of those like advanced adult encyclopedias and they give you like the letter A for free and then they expect you to buy the rest of them but we didn't do that and we just had the letter A and it has some cool pictures 
And I liked to carry it around and I liked to use it when my mom and I would watch Charmed and I would sit with my feet propped up on the couch because they they couldn't even dangle off the couch because I was so small. Mm-hmm. And I would have my encyclopedia open in my lap and it would be my book of spells. Your book of shadows? My book of shadows. Are you even a real Charmed fan if you don't remember that it's a book of shadows? Apparently not. I did know that at one point. I made myself a book of shadows oh my gosh we're such nerds yeah i know it's fun we do have a book podcast so i guess that's to be expected (laughs) but uh yeah that's fun what did you make your book of shadows out of um so it was a duotang oh my god (laughs) it's an orange duotang the word duotang just brought me viscerally back to elementary school i know it's orange duotang with the splitty things in the middle Uh, and like a piece of paper but it was about this in french the croque monsieur episode i think it's a boogeyman episode actually but in french it was very scary it's the only episode i ever watched in french i'm sure it was very scary in english so i I decided that to get rid of a croque monsieur, you had to say the name of somebody you loved three times and then you would be fine. Aww, because you're sending the boogeyman to see them instead. Well, no, you just, you vanquish them with love. With love? With love. Just like Harry Potter. Yeah, and that's the only thing that was in my, my book of shadows. Oh, it's the only one I had. That's really cute. That's who I am as a person. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Back to real books. Back to actual books. My duotang counts. Your orange duotang with one spell. Yeah, it was great. It's the only spell you needed. Love conquers all. Love does conquer all. Because it's sourdough. (laughs) You know what else conquers all? Soap. Oh, okay. And with that, let's talk about Mud Puddle by Robert Munch. Yes. So Robert Munch is a Canadian author. Oh, we're getting author background. That's exciting. Yeah, we're getting author background for Robert Munch because he unfortunately has dementia. Yes. That's, I think... Making a lot of people across Canada who have read his work very, very sad. So he wrote like so many books. He's written so many books. Paper Bag Princess, Mud Puddle. Where's Ganning? Which one? It's a girl trying to go from hers to Kappa's casing. Oh. She wrote him about this and he wrote a story for her. That's really sweet. And they still write to each other 30 years later. I love him so much. He's so nice. Mud Puddle was my favorite story by him, but I actually saw him in person once. Really? Yeah, he performed some of his books at the Living Arts Center, Mm -hmm. which is close to where I used to live. And he was really good and I loved him so much. I had a chance to get one of my books signed by him, but unfortunately I went with my dad, not my mom. And he looked at this lineup of like 20 people and he was like, I'm not waiting in a lineup. So he told me that the lineup was long enough to be six hours long, which is the time that it would take to drive to my grandparents' house. And I was like, I guess that does seem pretty long. He's like, so you don't need to get your book signed? I'm like, I guess I don't need to get my book signed. So I'm I'm not bitter about it, but I love Robert Munch. And I love what he said about his diagnosis, which is the stories will be the last thing to go. Yeah. And that's very sadly beautiful. Yeah. Just a little background. He was studying to be a priest. And then he met this woman and she was an early childhood educator. And anyways, he kind of changed his, pivoted his life um, because he liked kids so much. And he became a writer and he's touched countless lives. I didn't even read any of his stuff growing up because I was French. But as an adult, like I've seen the impact that he's had like on all my friends. And I think 
you know, it's good that we uh, we kick it off with him. He has a very distinctive way of talking. And I can't think of like an actual line from his stories. But when I was talking to my mom earlier, I was thinking of Robert Munch. And she was asking me what I was doing. And I was like, I'm putting on my big sweater. And then I put on my big pants. And I walked down the stairs. <laughs> and he just says everything like that. Yeah. But when you said he was studying to be a preacher, I was picturing (laughs) him reading one of his books in, like, the preacher voice. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think would be very hilarious, and I think someone should do that. Like, one of the TikTok preachers should totally read a Robert Munch book. uh, That's good. Wait. No, I need a line. I need a line because I need to read it. Like a from the Bible? Not from the Bible, from the paper bag princess. Mm. Which is a revolutionary tale that his wife made him rewrite because she was like, why is the story about the prince? Oh. She's the reason that the paper bag princess is what it is. The paper bag princess is a feminist icon. Behind every great male author is a wife who told them what to write. That's the reason why the first Star Wars movie is not as terrible as all the other ones. <laughs> Here we go. Ronald, said Elizabeth, your clothes are really pretty and your hair is very neat. You look like a real prince. But you are a bum. <laughs> and they didn't get married after all. And scene. Yeah, so that, that book, as I said, she was an early childhood educator. And a lot of the like parents were like single working moms who were like barely making ends meet during like, you know, the olden days. <laughs> she was like, why are you writing this book about this guy who's saving people when like these women are the ones doing all the work? Yeah, it was written in exactly 1980. Yeah. So probably during the 70s when people were down on their luck. His wife was like, why don't you write about, you know, somebody saving themselves? Yeah, and that's true because like the 70s and 80s were when women started becoming more independent and therefore divorce started becoming more common because couples didn't have to stay together for financial reasons. Yeah. So you had these families run by a matriarch and like single moms yeah. Running households and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that fun fact, Amy. There's a CBC article if you're interested, people. Are you citing? No. Are you freaking citing? I'm paraphrasing and redirecting. I'm redirecting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Robert Munch is worth the cite. He is. Um, so Mud Puddle. Yes, Mud Puddle. What did you think of Mud Puddle? It's very Amy circa 2004. So for the people who don't know, Mud Puddle is about this girl who gets dressed in the morning and she goes outside many times and gets attacked by a mud puddle. A sentient mud puddle. That has it out for her, apparently. He just wants to give her a hug, but only when she's not wearing a raincoat. Only when she's not wearing a raincoat. But it reminded me of every time like I used to go outside and I'd come back with like a sand dune in my shoes. <laughs> And my mom was like, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. The sand just climbed up into my boots. That's awesome. That's very me circa 2004. So I thought that was funny. That's very much like an excuse a kid would use. Like her mom's very understanding every time she walks in. And she's like, um pedal jumped on me yeah but like that is very much a thing a kid would say yeah like why are you so muddy the mud attacked me it does remind me of a story my mom told me also what you're saying Mm -hmm. about your your sand dunes and your shoes Mm -hmm. um we were going for a walk in the forest and for some reason there was a big pile of mud (laughs) jesus christ i hope it was mud yeah because apparently what i did is 
I looked at the mud and I looked at my mom and I looked at the mud and my mom was like, oh no, she's going to jump in the mud. And I laid down in the mud (gasps) and I said, mud, mud, glorious mud. You're like the opposite of my dog. Does she not like getting dirty? No, she skirts around anything that's wet. She is very precious and I love June. She's not you, but wow, that is that is very on brand for you though. It was, yeah, yeah. It was very on brand for me. I actually don't mind dirt as much as I mind like things that humans have touched. Yeah. Because you're like, dirt is normal germs. Dirt is germs of the earth. And yeah. germs of the earth are things I'm okay with. Yeah. I did think it was a bit repetitive. Mm-hmm. It does happen a lot. But it had good hygiene instructions, which I enjoyed. It did. It did. Um, Washing her eye is probably not good hygiene instructions. Mm. You don't want kids doing that in the bath. No, but at the same time, like, if you get something in your eye, you do need to flush it out. Don't use soap. Use just plain water. Not with bath water, but yes, with regular water. Yeah, like good instructions to put your clothes on the right side. Mm-hmm. And the importance of hygiene with like when she defeats the mud puddle with the soap. Mm-hmm. I actually have two qualms with the illustrations of this book. Okay. I know Robert Munch doesn't illustrate his no. own books, but he always uses the same illustrator. Most of the time. Most of the time. The mud puddle. At first, it starts out as a mud puddle mm-hmm. sitting in a tree and then sitting on the roof. And then it turns into like this frog-like creature with a green face and also eyes. And I don't know where it got the eyes. And I'm a little bit concerned about where it got the eyes. Acid. An acid trip gave her the eyes. <laughs> I thought you meant like the mud puddle dissolved someone in acid and then took their eyes. I mean, what if the mud puddle like is trying to get after this girl to like take her body? That's very creepy. That's not yeah. a way you should word that. How else does it get eyes? Uh, yeah. My other qualm is there's like way too many pictures of her in the bath. See, the version I listened to on YouTube, because obviously I didn't go buy all these children's books or like rent them from the library because I don't leave my house the version i saw was like zooming in and out of the photos and i was also in the bath myself at the time you were like me too i'm also scrubbing out my ear yeah so i didn't really notice the images all that much okay that's fair like i i don't have any problems with like people bathing kids that's a regular thing and you should bathe your entire family don't be like jake gyllenhaal who doesn't bathe but it's like very like strategically placed legs and i think if she was just in the bath and there were like bubbles bubbles, and you could just see her head that would be like a normaler picture than the ones we get but that might just be me because i don't have any children yeah when i was a kid i was like that's a normal thing i too get dipped in and out of the bath by my mother oh my other thing mm-hmm. does she murder the mud puddle well it does have eyes it does have eyes and she does throw soap at it and it does twice it's twice and it does run away and never come back so i think maybe it like dissolves on its way out and i think she murdered that mud puddle yeah there was a lot of violence i found very true which is not ideal but i thought it was fun it's off brand for me to like violent things but I loved this book so much. I thought it was very good. Thank you so much. On a scale of Bar of Soap to Angry Mud Puddle with Eyes, how would you rate this book? Bar of Soap obviously being the best. Like the suds that let like stay on your bath because you forget to rinse it out after a bubble bath. Okay. So like clean, but also a little dirty. Okay. <laughs> What would you rate it? I would rate it liquid hand soap Mm. because it's probably my favorite children's book and liquid hand soap is my favorite kind of soap. That's true. Our next book. Oh, let's go with your mom's one. That's the one I was going to pick. My mom gave us a book and the book is Something 
from nothing. Also, your mom teaches kids. She does, yes. Yesterday was Teacher's Day, and today we are looking at this book from my mom who teaches kids. Yeah. She teaches them not to lay down in mud puddles. <laughs> Shout out to your mom. I'll tell her. Well, isn't she going to listen to this? I hope so, because her book's in it. Yeah. She didn't write the book, <laughs> but she read the book a lot, which is basically the same thing. Books belong to their readers. Books belong to their readers, John Green. You cite John Green? <laughs> I think something from nothing is probably the root of my optimism. Oh, that's nice. I love the concept of something from nothing. So we start with a boy named Joseph. His grandfather makes him a blanket, a marvelous blanket. And then the blanket starts getting ratty and his mother's like, it's time to throw it out. And his grandfather makes it into a jacket and then he makes that jacket into a vest and then he makes that vest into a handkerchief and then he makes the handkerchief into a button and then he loses the button and his mother says that there's no way you can make something from nothing and he says there's just enough material here to make a wonderful story yeah which is so beautiful what did you think i really 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 liked it yay i thought it was good fun (laughs) i'm reading my notes i thought his mom was annoying and not very pro reduce reuse recycle yeah most of the time the things were really ratty and torn and ragged and worn but at one point he had the jacket and it was just too small on him yeah and she was like it's time to throw it out at least give it to another child and it's not like she didn't have many children you see her like having all these kids yeah there's a bunch of other kids in the story either his siblings or his cousins and hand-me-downs are the best i loved hand-me-downs when i was a kid and i still do it's because we're only children (laughs) apparently not only children don't actually like it they don't like taking their sister's stuff or whatever however you know the purpose of the mice is that they take the scraps and they furnish their homes with it and it's great i thought the mice were really cute i think the mice are the best part of this book i like how they furnish their entire house with these scraps and that like they embody reduce reuse recycle which i'm very appreciative of they do everything that the mom is not doing yeah they're like making drapes making pillows making shams they're like we got it all i did see one read aloud that had the mice in it but the other read aloud the first read aloud i watched for this one cut out the mice it just showed you the top half of the page and i was like where's half the story half the story is in the bottom half which has no words it's just a picture story i do like that the child has a pebble collection Mm -hmm. that he puts in his handkerchief mood because we both had collections of pebbles when we were children also so there's these like tim horton cans of coffee which like are like the folgers cans but in canada it's tim hortons that my parents used to get and i had like eight filled to the brim couldn't even put the lid on filled with gravel just gravel just regular gravel just like chunks of rocks that i thought were shiny or cool or soft or pretty or that i just collected like i have like sorry i'm gonna stop you right there did you say soft (laughs) yeah like smooth okay thank god i was thinking of that thing where like there's a theory that rocks are soft until you touch them and you were just like that one person who's allowed to touch them and they're still soft why would you say this you're so welcome oh it shivers down my spine bad bad not good no but like smooth like you know like they felt soft to the touch she just gave me the finger you guys because you're making me rethink life and i don't like it um (laughs) rocks are a non-newtonian fluid cats are rocks Mm. but yeah i had like a bunch of rocks like pretty ones too that were like in a 
separate place. But my everyday rocks, because I had everyday rocks, <laughs> were in these cans. And like I had to like empty out my school bag of rocks because I would bring them in from the schoolyard. And I was that weird kid that people made fun of because I kept like trying to find cool rocks. I bet your back was like aching because I just picture you carrying this backpack full of like really heavy gravel. <laughs> uh, after a month, yeah. Oh, gosh. So that was a fun talk about rocks. Yeah. The other thing this book reminds me of is I learned about how Victorians were masters of recycling because they would start with a piece of clothing that was new and they would give it to like the richest class of people. And then when it was a little bit worn, they would sell it to like a clothing buyer and that clothing buyer would like stitch it up and fix and polish mend it, and sell it back to like the middle class of people. And then when it was a little worn, they would come back and it would like keep getting passed down and until they would like add patches to it and then sell it to the poorest people and those people would wear it until it was literally threadbare and then they would sell it back and break it down into threads and then use those threads to sew new clothing for the rich people again. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they were really good actually. And I think Joseph's grandfather has learned a thing or two from that style of recycling. You were going to give me a rating system. Yeah, yes. On a scale of a brand new jacket to a Okay. Chic button holding up Ooh. your suspenders. Ooh. What would you rate this story? I would rate this story some tiny mouse curtains. Mm. Because do you know why? Tell me more. Because I think the tiny mouse curtains are such an efficient use of that material. You've got this nice swatch of cutout recycled material. Do they even have windows? Decorative mouse curtains. <laughs> decorative mouse curtains they could have used it as a blanket but no they were like we're gonna hang this on our wall with no windows because we live under the house yeah i do love the little mouse curtains with stars on them i really like this book i believe it next up we have don't let the pigeon drive the bus and this one was recommended to us by dustin at sandman stories presents which is a podcast that i really like listening to when my brain won't shut up at night and i need somebody to talk in my ear so that i don't think thoughts and then i can fall asleep He's got a very soothing voice, and I think that this is really off-brand <laughs> for him. But also, I don't know if this is the one he was suggesting, because he just suggested the author Mo Willems. But I feel like if Dustin was going to read me a story, this would be like the last story he would read me on Earth. The premise of this one is there's a pigeon. The premise is don't let the pigeon drive the bus. The bus driver leaves and tells you that, and that's it. The pigeon really wants to drive the bus. Yes. Um, so I think Nikola Tesla would appreciate that there's a pigeon being included. However, I don't think he would appreciate the pigeon not being able to drive the bus. I thought it was a very good example of peer pressure, mm. guilt trips, yep. and the power of saying no. I thought it was good enough. Yes. Like, I think it's good, like, if you're reading this with a kid and the kid says, no, you can't drive the bus. Yeah. I think it's got a fun amount of interactiveness because it's just like the pigeon asking you a bunch of questions and you just have to say no. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have cared for it, I think, as a child because I like more of a narrative to my stories. Mm -hmm. Like my favorite show when I was a kid was Little Bear. And as my mother says, that show was the slowest show in the world. <laughs> 
So I really liked a story and like character arcs. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I would have just liked one where I just had to say no and, and they didn't tell me a story. But I can see it being the perfect way to get kids into story time if they don't like reading. Yeah. And yes, it is a fun way to teach kids about super fun concepts like emotional manipulation and bribery and anger issues. Yes. And I think if I was reading this to a child, I would probably have to either like stop it in the middle or I would have to have like a chat at the end like a story circle yeah like what did we think of this yeah comprehension questions and then like talk about how to properly ask for things nicely and also how to accept when people say no and that sometimes you're not allowed to do everything because it's not safe like for instance pigeons can't drive a bus because their feet can't reach the brake pedal and then they will crash it yes but it does have a cute ending when he sees the truck And I feel like he's just going to live this eternal cycle of wanting to drive larger and larger vehicles. Yeah, and not being allowed to. On the scale of a friendly hummingbird to an angry pigeon, what would you rate this book? Like a red-crested swallow. That's so specific. Yeah, so they like to go tuck-tuck in my window. Okay. And they're cute. Okay. (laughs) So you like it. I liked it, yeah. But they're also kind of annoying. (laughs) Because they go tuck-tuck in my window. Like I don't have food for them and they go tuck-tuck. Yeah, people should stop feeding birds because it's not good for them. And that's probably why they're doing that. No, they're also just really stupid. Like those are just dumb. Don't let the swallow eat the bird seed. Next up, we got Wonky Donkey. This was suggested by Z1 Podcast. I think it was suggested because their child likes the book. Um, And I do know two children from separate families who like this book. So it is a popular book with children, probably not so much with adults. The premise of this book, you're walking and you see a donkey. And then they describe the donkey in a way that they can then use an adjective that is sort of a half rhyme with donkey. And it gets weird. At the first one. So... He has three legs, and then they call him Wonky. And I think if I was a kid, and I had a prosthetic limb, because he does have a prosthetic leg, this would not make me feel represented. No. My notes here say, mean to disabled people, question mark, teaches words that taken out of context could get kids in trouble and make people sad. Fuck that noise. But I can see how the rhymes are fun for kids. I can see that. As they're learning words, like, I get it. Yeah. Some of the rhymes are, like, not really words kids would know. Like Hanky Panky or whatever it was. Hanky Panky, which I hate, (laughs) which is what they use to describe how he pranks people. And also Honky Tonky. I liked it, but I don't think kids would understand what it means. And also, I don't think kids would get the, like, cranky reference because he's cranky because he had no coffee. Because kids don't drink coffee. So you could easily be like, he didn't get enough sleep last night. He was a cranky honky-tonky-winky-wonky-donkey. I think this was a book written by an adult who's never met a child. Spunky can be taken so out of context. Spunky is a thing that my mom actually has said, but I do not like that they decided to use it right after using hanky panky yeah that was a bad order of words yeah i thought like in american it means one thing and in british it means something completely different i need to look up the difference between what it means but it's it's gonna be a no for me dog i didn't like this book yeah neither did i i do like the z1 podcast yeah though. that does not reflect does not reflect on the podcast it's a fun narrative podcast about a couple living through the zombie apocalypse 
Much fun. This book does remind me of that one sect of monks, though. They followed a really strict diet, and it made their bones really brittle, and it also gave them really bad breath, and they walked around barefoot all the time, so they had really big calluses on their feet, and they were super calloused, fragile mystics, hex by halitosis. <sighs> Y'all, she looks so disappointed. I... I just, I'm not having any of this today. My birthday is tomorrow. That's the kind of descriptions and then like ways that they worked in weird half rhyme words yeah. that they were doing. I don't even have a rating scale for this one because I just wanted to move on. Yes. I mean, I my first words were no, bad, hate, repetitive. And then <laughs> it's not even that smart. <laughs> What's up next? Hold the phone. Hold the phone. The line hold the phone is in the book. Uh, the book is When I Grow Up by Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. Yankovic. Yes. This one was suggested to us by surprise, surprise, Beard Al, the podcast. Love it. Beard Al spelt like beer, you're drinking a beer. Yes. Apostrophe D yeah. Al, the podcast. I'm about it. A very excellent podcast name. Yeah. I wish I had thought of it, but also I don't drink beer, so I wouldn't have been able to do anything with it. Also, it would have just been me. I'm Beer Al. <laughs> I am Al. You are Al. Can I just start by saying I loved this book? This was actually a rad book. It's the one I started with because I was like, ha, Weird Al. I'm Weird Al. Love it. And I was like, it set the bar way too fucking high, man. Like, I gave this a 9 out of 10. I don't care what the rating skill is, but I give it a 9 out of 10. It's about this kid who goes to school and it's show and tell day and they have to say what they're going to be when they grow up. And this kid is eloquent. He's funny. He's fun. And it's going to be great. He just has fun words. And like Weird Al doesn't like mince his words. He doesn't dumb it down for the kid. It gives so much opportunity for like thinking. And he uses so many fun careers because the kid can't decide what he wants to be, right? Because he's like eight. Yeah. Um, he's like, why don't I have to pick what I want to be when I grow up? And like he gives so many possibilities of what kids could be when they grow up. And then he's like, maybe I'll be like my teacher. It's so cute. Yeah, it's really cute. I did think it had really advanced vocabulary and I thought maybe it had too advanced vocabulary but I do think it's probably good for like grade two to four yeah eight year olds yeah as like a library read aloud type thing and then like you talk about the words you don't know yeah I think it would be good for that I think the rhyme scheme is very Seussian and the beginning reminds me a lot of oh the places you'll go yeah. and then it also branches out into a really fun place I do like how he says two of the most ridiculous jobs starting with training snails to ride bicycles. And then he says he would milk giraffes. And that's when the teacher's like, no, you've gone too far. <laughs> Milking giraffes is much more plausible a career option than teaching snails to ride bicycles. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not done. <laughs> we got more to say. He did use the words master debater. So I think that was not an accident. No. Um, I like how, I believe he said esteemed guests at the beginning. Yes. Which I was just like, ooh, this slaps already. Like, this is good. Yeah, it was very good. Very good and gender inclusive. Um, yeah. I, I really like how positive it is about following your own path because he's not even like, oh, maybe I'll decide by the time I'm an adult. He's like, I have an uncle and he's followed like 10 different career paths and I still don't think he knows what he wants to be when he grows up and he's already grown up. So 
maybe he's like a hundred. You don't have to figure out what you're going to be when you grow up. Yeah, that's like the modern reality. A lot of people change their career paths multiple times. Yeah, honestly, and I I don't say this facetiously. I think there should be mandatory reading before you pick the college or university or whatever that you decide to go to. This should be like a book that you read in careers class instead of taking yes yet another personality test to tell you you wouldn't make a wonderful writer or artist. Oh, yours was on brand. Mine wanted me to be a midwife. Oh, you would not like that. And midwife or vet. Yeah, mine was like writer, artist, child psychologist, which is a little on brand still for what I wanted to be at the time because I wanted to be like a school guidance counselor. And then I was like, oh, you have to be a teacher before you're a school guidance counselor. I would suck at that. Yeah, same. You have to have a very specific skill set. Yeah, and much more patience than you and I have combined. Exactly. I rated it, but you didn't rate it. What would you rate it between between a gravel picker, <laughs> which is what I was as a kid, and master debater? Oh, Amy. <laughs> it's weird out i had to make it weird i'm so disappointed no you love me i would rate it what's a good career that he had listed in here i don't know but you're a poet and you don't even know it i didn't even know it uh i think it would be curry maker Curry maker is an excellent job because you get to smell curry all day. And I have been smelling curry all day because I have made like three curries in the last week. And it's so good. And also a thing with curry maker is you can make so many different curries. Endless possibilities. And it's got a lot of variety in this book. And I'm reaching because I can't think of any other careers. But (laughs) that's a good thing to be. Good. Go Dog Go. Go Dog Go was suggested to us by Ratchet Book Club. Shout out to other literature podcasts. That's rad. I don't understand what is with the dedication in this book. The dedication is to some kids from Uncle Stevie Poo. I don't like that. That's funny. I don't like that at all. (laughs) I was my Aunt Choo Choo to my stepdad's nephews for a while. Okay. Yeah, I guess kids will think of weird names for people Mm -hmm. so that's fine so the premise of this book is you just have some different colored dogs doing some different things and there's a lot of opposite words Mm -hmm. i feel like it's fine for either really young kids like one-year-old to two-year-old kids Mm -hmm. or kids who are starting to read on their own because there's a lot of repetition with like up down over under and those are really common words that you need to be able to sight read yeah it's got a lot of repeated words it's got a lot of simple concepts you can can teach kids their colors you can teach them up down you can teach them big small over under stop go red light green light also the concept of nagging yeah because um, there's this dog that keeps running into this other dog and she's like do you like my hat and he's like no goodbye forever until she has like this very like ostentatious hats of hats she's like do you like my hat and he's like yes i do like your hat and like her life's like made and i'm like oh can we like not talk about the need for validation, please. Thanks. I thought they were going to get together after he said that. I thought this was actually teaching me how nagging works. She's the only female coded dog. Yes, the one who ke- needs validation. The pink poodle. I thought it was pro-interactiveness, had good driving instructions, but not enough dogs. 
Not, what do you mean not, not enough, enough dogs? dogs? It's nothing but dogs. More dogs. It's only dogs. More. There's like 500 more. dogs in this book. More dogs. This book could have ended three separate times because they kept adding more dogs. I need even more dogs. It was like it's nighttime. Are we going to end the book? Nope. Here's some more dogs. More dogs. I do have a complaint. Tell me. It seems dangerous to party on top of a tree. Does it not? You can fall off the tree. That was a very tall tree. They needed a large ladder to get up the They're tree. dogs. And dogs are not cats. If you drop a cat, the cat will land on their feet. If you drop a dog, that dog is gone forever. That one comic. Oh, no. This is dog. Not cat. Not cat. Um, I'll post that comic with the Twitter link when I post that. Okay. But dogs should not be partying on a tree. No. Not safe. If this was a book about cats, maybe the cats could party on a tree. But also cats can't get down from a tree. So maybe not. Maybe no one should be partying on a tree. Sure they can. That's like the trope is cats stuck in trees. Yeah, have you ever seen a cat skeleton up in a tree? Why would you say that? Well, have you? What a terrible thing to say. No, no, the cats don't get stuck. They come down. They jump down or they have someone come and get them. No, no, they they climb down. It's actually exclusively firefighters. <laughs> There's a division of firefighters that don't fight fires. They're only getting cats from trees. Yeah. Don't call firefighters to get cats out of trees. Call the local animal organization that handles animals in distress. Put a hard hat on, grab a ladder, climb the ladder with somebody holding the Don't ladder. Don't do that because you'll drop the cat. Yeah, you'll be fine. Put it in a bag. Do not put a cat in a bag. Let the cats out of the bag. <laughs> I just keep using tropes. Okay. Go dog go. Give it a rating. I would rate this 30 out of 100 dogs. Not a lot of Dalmatians, but okay. There's 101 Dalmatians, actually. Yeah. Well, actually. <laughs> a very hungry caterpillar. This book was suggested to us by the lovely podcast Mouse and Weens. Cute. Which is another fun name for a podcast. Not the same mouse that lives under the house in Something from Nothing. Yeah. Different Clearly. mouse. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah, it's from Ween, not from House. <laughs> I feel like I have this book memorized, so I didn't even watch it again. This is my first time experiencing it. And let me tell you, oh my gosh. I had comments. So there's this caterpillar who eats his way through the week yep. and then becomes a butterfly. Yeah. Which is also just me on my period. Oh my gosh. So it's good at teaching kids the days of the week. You go through the week. That's great. Perfect. I'm annoyed that on Thursday he eats four strawberries and then he's like, I'm still hungry. And I'm like, yeah, but you ate three plums the day before like you're under eating if you're progressively eating more eat more you, ugh. but he's not eating the whole plum he's eating one hole through the plum i still think <laughs> still think um there's interesting commentary on dieting and binge eating okay um but the indigestion is also me on my period <laughs> so yeah i think this is a story about food waste mm. If you waste food and just eat one hole through 30 fruits, you will get a stomach ache and you will be sad. Yeah. What would you rate the Very Hungry Caterpillar on a scale of three strawberries with holes in them to a piece of chocolate cake? Doesn't he eat pie at one point? I do not know. But we'll say yes because he probably eats everything. Yeah. So like a good like raspberry pie, which is my favorite type of fruit. 
You're so messed up. I know. You hate fruit and dessert. I'm sorry. But a raspberry pie, because it's my favorite type of fruit, and I could sit there and eat it all day long, like he did. But afterwards, I kind of get, like, kind of weird about it. I can only eat it for, like, once every, maybe twice a year. So you would read this book twice a year? Yeah, if I had a kid, I would read this book with them. Maybe I'll read it to June. That's excellent. You were right about it teaching kids the days of the week, but it also teaches kids about caterpillar life cycles. Yeah, I thought that was fun. And just the scientific concept of life cycles in general metamorphosis because we got the egg and then we got the caterpillar and then we got the i think they say cocoon but butterflies go in chrysalises yes and then he is a beautiful butterfly and that's very exciting yeah and he has to grow big and tall in fact before he gets to be a butterfly yes yeah i like it me too that's all of the books that we're gonna read this week because we are already running long on time but if we didn't get to your book please know that we did see your suggestion we are grateful for your suggestion and eventually we are going to do a part two where we try to read all the books that we missed on the list correct there are many there are many y'all have a lot of kids books thanks guys including a halloween book which we didn't end up reading because it was a little bit late in the game as a reply and we had already done all our research and we didn't want to read another book but we'll just read it out of season the research herein being me in the bath watching youtube videos about kids books But it doesn't matter if it's out of season because if you believe in yourself, Halloween can live in your heart all year long. I have a friend who wants to try to make people call it the ween. Would you say mouse and weens? Oh, yes. Okay. Do we want to uh, wrap this up with a neat little bow? Yes. You guys can contact us exclusively now because we're throwing the email away. The email is gone. The email is gone. But you can contact us exclusively on Instagram and Twitter at UnsightedPod. Also, another super fun way to contact us is by rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Podchaster and leaving us a review. We will read the review and it will be nice for us. We need that validation. Also, we have merch. The merch is on Redbubble. Can we start calling it swag? Please don't. Okay. The merch is on Redbubble. The merch is cute. I have a shirt from us. And if we see each other in public, we can match and we can be twinning. Thanks you for submitting all these suggestions for us. We loved reading your books, most of them. And I'm very sorry if we did not like your book. We loved reading them, but we didn't like all of them. We enjoyed the experience of sharing in the books with you. Correct. Um, And we also thank you for listening. And we hope to see you again in two weeks. And as always, we're excited. Unavailable. That was fun.